find out next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My favorite team, your favorite team. I'm a credentialed NBA draft analyst, lover of the Utah Jazz, summer league attendee, attendee of the 2023 NBA Combine, someone who watches more college basketball than just about anyone, so the draft was a good transition. And now I'm going to talk to you about what to expect for the Utah Jazz and who holds the keys to the Jazz's success this year as we head to a pretty important uh, juncture in franchise history with a wide window to contend. But maybe we can contend sooner, and I'll tell you who holds the keys to doing that coming up next. Thanks for making Locked On Jazz your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Jazz is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And the best way to help us grow is comment below. Comment anything below. And and today's question, though, if you want to respond to this, is how would you order your top three most important players for Utah Jazz? And if you want to, give some rationale. So let me, let me take you through what I've got planned for you. I'll, a little bit of a spoiler alert in terms of the order, but if you guys are going to listen, that's, that's, the, that's the rationale. Um, in the first segment, I'm going to break down why Lowry marketing holds the keys to the Jazz's success this year. In the second segment, I'll analyze why Walker Kessler may be the Jazz's most important asset down the road and why his growth is essential for the Jazz this season. And lastly, I'll break down why Jordan Clarkson holds plenty of weight and if the Jazz make the playoffs, Jordan Clarkson will be a huge reason why. Let's dive right in. Lowry Markkinen is the most important player on the Utah Jazz simply because he's the best player on the team, and he has the capacity to elevate the team the most. Like He can take him to heights that no one else on the Jazz can. If Lowry Markkinen is an all-star that stagnates at 26 points and 8 rebounds per game, that's a likely all-star again. And if he improves, he could be maybe a third-team All-NBA. That, that puts him as one of the best 15, roughly, players in the NBA. And if he's an all-star, he's one of the best 25 players in the NBA. That's awesome. And he's he's got the capacity to improve. Like, this was the first time the grass was greener for him elsewhere. Like, he played in Cleveland. I think he rejuvenated his career. And then he played for a player's coach in Will Hardy, someone who really had faith in him and put him in great situations to score. But – this will be the first year where he's really got these expectations that he needs to uphold. Uh, that's, that's an interesting thing. So, yes, if he's 26-8 and eight and the Jazz's supporting cast is better and they are able to be healthy throughout the year, the Jazz could be really good. But I think he's going to have to do it a little bit differently. The Jazz need him to be very good to compete in the West. The West is a gauntlet. I outlined some of my favorite like, teams that I think could push the Nuggets or the defending NBA champions in the West. And I even forgot two teams that I think are probably on par or ahead of the Jazz in terms of their youthful cores. And they have a little more experience. So like, and I consider the Jazz the 10th most dangerous team already at that point. Could be 11th. So the Jazz will need Lowry Markman to really excel. And he holds the keys to the franchise. Uh, Lowry averaged 25.6 points per game, 8.6 rebounds per game, 1.9 assists per game. 49.9% 49.9% from the field, 39% from three a season. Again, was an excellent free throw shooter as well. Uh, the Jazz were a playing caliber team much of the year last year, and that was under a new coach and a new system for Lowry. And he was the first time as an all-star caliber player. We kind of went over that. 
but pressure is now on. You'd assume he's in, he'd improve, but you'd also got to factor in that a lot of the way he scored was scripted plays, and now, yes, he was able to adapt and, and score in other ways as well. But I do think the scripted plays will be harder for him to, to get unencumbered this time. I think Mike Conley is an, is an asset that people forget about and was a large part of Lowry Markman's uh, ascension to start. Lowry did a ton by himself, but uh, Conley really helped him early in the year and the pressure was taken off him. Uh, in a previous episode, I laid out my expectations for him, and, and, and that's I talked about the front court. I talked about Lowry Markman, John Collins, and Walker Kessler. So I'm going to reiterate a few of those for the everydayers that have heard this. Thank you for tuning in then. For those who haven't, uh, let's just con- uh, quickly go over what I kind of outlined as expectations for Walker Kessler and Lowry Markin. And then John Collins I gave some new thoughts on. But here's Lowry Markin's. I think numerically he likely has a very similar impact where there, there are more partners who can score, whether it's the front court, whether it's the back court. I think there's more players in the Jazz that can score. And Lowry may even be more involved in the offense as a decoy at times, bringing the ball up and handling the rock more than just being a set play assassin, someone who takes advantage of the system and scores when given the chance, who is he was uber efficient. I imagine Lowry is somewhere between 24 to 26 points a game, eight rebounds per game, better defense, more assists, and more defensive pressure and leadership. And so I, I also expect him to take more threes per game. I think he's going to play more on the perimeter with Collins and Kessler. And not to say he didn't take many already. He did. But I think there'll be more times where he's used as someone to space the floor as opposed to someone to attack the rim. I think they'll actually allow him to have more space when attacking the rim because he'll be getting smaller defenders because of the respect that John Collins and Walker Kessler will get. Uh, I think Lowry will be an all-star caliber player on a playoff caliber team, essentially cementing his place as a top 25 player in the league. That's really good. It's hard to contend with, with that as your best player, but he, that's why he holds the keys. If he can add more on-ball sc- skills, he can push for an all-NBA, but that's hard to see happening with such immense depth at his position. Like, that is where the NBA is transitioning. Like, the archetype of Lowry market, big, tall, ball handler, and who's got athleticism and shooting ability. So that's where he can grow, is with the ball. The Jazz don't quite have an answer at point guard, as we talked about earlier this week, and or at least not yet. And I think the Jazz are going to transition a little bit more towards a positionless basketball. What I mean by that is whoever gets the rebound might rip and go, and there's going to be more decision makers as opposed to like, hey, we're going to task this guy with being the point guard, whether we're not, we, we think he's ready or not. I think it's going to be by committee more so. And I, I think Lowry, this will help him, but also puts pressure on him uh, to produce with a larger workload and get probably less easy scripted looks. So the Jazz's team is better, but people forget how essential Mike Conley was. I think Lowry Markin is going to be tasked with trying to get other teammates good looks as, as being someone that the defense will key in on. I think Lowry can be the 25-a-game guy who scores efficiently, helps conduct an offense, who's a plus defender, and he's a leader by example. And that's why he's the most important player on the team, because no one else has the capacity to do all those things. Without Lowry Markin, the Jazz don't have the aspirations they had this year. They don't think about even becoming a win-now team like they have because of Lowry Markin's emergence. Walker Kessler's ascension also helps that, but not in the way that Lowry Markin does, because I just read off a, a guy who's a top 25 player in the league. He's got to be the most important player if you don't have anyone who's like actually better than him. So with, with great power comes great responsibility for Lowry. I, th- I think he was someone that was a pleasant surprise to all, including the Jazz staff even, who, like, he was playing like Finland Lowry Markin for the Utah Jazz. And they were, well, how, how long can this continue? And it turned out the entire season. I think he's going to have a hard time 
at playing some teams because they're going to be like, well, you know what? We're going to make him really, really work. And he's no one's setting him up this year. It's, it's him. But I think if he's able to adjust and shoulder that burden, he can really elevate the Jazz to a, a place that we haven't seen yet because we don't know that Lowry Markin has done that. Like, I think he's got the capacity, but he's also got to prove it sooner rather than later if the Jazz want to contend and make the playoffs. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. I think that this role is novel, but I think it could really reap rewards for Lowry Marketing, both on the personal level in terms of accolades, but also for the Utah Jazz. Coming up next, I'll analyze why Walker Kessler might be the Jazz's most important asset and why his growth is essential for the Jazz, both in the short term and in the long term. But first, let me tell you about FanDuel. Take your swing at betting on MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting on everything from money lines, the over to the under, and to who you think can hit the first run. It's got everything. All in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, and that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all caps, to get up to 200 bucks in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, all caps. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Well, welcome back into Locked On Jazz. Leaf Chulene still with you here talking about who are the most important players for the Utah Jazz. My favorite team, your favorite team. And thank you again for joining me and making this your first listen as we're going to talk about what makes this Jazz team tick and what will be important for them to become a good team. I think Walker Kessler is the player the Jazz value the most because he's young. He's on a very tame contract as a rookie deal. And he loves Utah and, they, and they've got this all-star talent that's in his second year but with that said i thought about putting him at number one on this list but i think you have to take your best players also young in terms of the role that he'll be shouldering but that's why walker kessler is such an important asset he's so young and he's so valuable so early that it makes him a commodity that you you're really is rare enough to uh to, sh- to push himself into a level where the, the Jazz would be like, man, maybe we want him over a player like Larry Markin, who I mentioned might be top 25. Luckily, they have both of them. But I was, I'm just voicing my rationale why he was worth the consideration. So with that said, Kessler is easily the second most player, uh, most important player on the team. He's set to anchor a defense and get a larger load offensively. Here are the expectations I outlined for him in that episode outlining expectations for the front court. Walker Kessler is who I think will be the most improved player on the Jazz, and that's kind of impressive because he was good last year. He was really good at times, and that's encouraging that I think he'll be the most improved player. I just have that much faith in his improvement and how the role and exposure will help him. Uh, he's playing with Team USA right now, and he's, he's backing up Jaron Jackson Jr., and I think that's really going to be helpful for his development and, and you know, Donovan Mitchell was considered a, a standout when he did it for Team USA under Popovich, and, and he really came back and had a career year. Uh, Kessler statistically was solid, but ended the year averaging nine minutes, uh, nine points per game, eight rebounds per game, 2.3 blocks per game, and 52% from the free throw line. But in March, when the Jazz started to shift towards the youth movement to play these younger players, they weren't winning, but he was averaging 13.8 points per game, 76% from the field, and 10 rebounds, 
and 1.5 assists and 3.2 blocks. That's really, really good. Kessler, I assume, will probably be around the numbers that he put up in March, but they're a little bit different. And I actually think he's going to shoot better from the free throw line. I just think it's hard to add too many points to the, that tally because the Jazz are going to have a lot of players that want the ball in their hands and need the ball in their hands. Kessler will be more of a complimentary offensive player, but he's going to shoulder a bigger load. And don't expect too much from the three-point line, but I do think you'll see him shoot a couple, and he's been working really hard in that regard. So I expect him to score about 13 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, show improved shooting touch from the free-throw line, which is big because I think that is going to help him. And that'll be probably just north of two blocks. And he anchors a top-15 defense in the league where he earned himself all-defense team consideration. I'm not going to say he for sure makes it. There are a lot of players like Jaron Jackson Jr., the reigning defensive player of the year, uh, Bam Adebayo, guys that are a little bit ahead of the curve and where, than where Walker Kessler is that are just excellent defenders. And there's others as well. But I, I just think that to be in that consideration as a year-two player who's going to be a double-double machine is really, really impressive. I think Kessler could score more than the 13 a game, um, but with Collins in the front court, with Kelly Olynyk factoring in, who's an offensively inclined player, with uh, Omar Yurtseven factoring in, I think Kessler may be in line for a, kind of a, a dunking, a dunker spot roll, some pick and pop, uh, and and just a little bit less pick and roll uh, play. As John Collins is also great at pick and roll, and he's such a tremendous athlete, you may want to play to his strengths. Will Hardy often talks about playing to the uh, strengths, the superpowers is the word he uses. Uh, the superpowers of his of his team. I think John Collins, one of his superpowers, is a really, really athletic guy who's able to score in the pick and roll and, and makes good decisions in the short roll. So Kessler might become an interesting decoy at times. I also think that he's going to run plenty of pick and roll. So don't think that this means he won't. I just think that there's going to be a little bit less exposure to as many easy shots for him in the same vein that he was getting them in March. But the team's better, and he's going to play more. So I think he probably averages around those same points, but he's a far better player. Uh, another thing is Kessler's going to have to anchor the defense and be an integral part of the offense in order for the Jazz to win. That's why he's so valuable, is that I think he can do that at this young an age, and he can do it in a winning team. Like I said about March basketball, I talked about this with THT, where he had his big stats where he was averaging 18-6-5. The Jazz were losing, so, so what does that matter? It means that he got better. Walker Kessler got better when he put up those stats, but I think he's going to be able to do that in winning basketball. That's a huge improvement. Uh, I think the He'll have to play probably pretty big minutes because I don't think Omer Yurtseven and Kelly Olenek are in the same realm as Walker Kessler defensively. And I also don't think that they're going to play all uh, those two together too often. So they may be staggered and maybe they do that kind of rotation that the Jazz did a few years ago under Quinn Snyder, where, which is a little non-traditional where Gobert and uh, Favors and Gobert and Whiteside uh, for two different years played kind of staggered minutes early and the rotation was different. Uh I also think he'll need to provide an outlet as a role man um, and a need to adapt to playing with John Collins as another roller. Does that mean he's a dunker spot guy? Does that mean he spaces and shoots? Uh, does that mean Collins faces and shoots? I think this will be interesting, but I think the fact that he's so young and so able and willing to learn, like he was a terrible screener by all accounts coming into the league, and then he figured it out and was learning how to do it and made himself really valuable in that regard. So I think Kessler likely shoots better from the free throw line, which would help his points per game. And his level of athleticism allows the Jazz to play freely and quickly, which I think behooves the priorities of the Jazz that Coach Hardy wants to instill. The Jazz may opt to play more rebound and run basketball, which is really interesting. I'm not saying Walker Kessler is going to be like Point Kessler, so don't get that from this. 
but I think his unique coordination and speed will make him a commodity as a rim runner and someone who gets easy baskets in transition. So I don't think it's going to be as often as a pick and roll guy that he gets dunks, but I, I really think that there's going to be a time where he's going to run past guys and you're going to go, wow, he's a really good athlete. Like I noticed in person at those games doing statistics, I'd look up and I'd be writing down my statistics. I look up and Walker Custer was the first one on the court. I was like, man, this guy's really fast. And I think he'll be able to do that in a team that's going to push more and have a concerted effort to, you know, play fast because they don't need to have someone have the ball at all times bringing the ball up. Uh, will actually really behoove Kessler. Uh, like I said, I think Kessler could be a contender for all defensive nominations, but his role is so much more than defense, placing him as the second most important member of the Utah Jazz. I, I want to preface one thing real quickly before people start to be like, oh, you just took the best two players. It's it's not that they're the best two players and that's why they're the most important. I think the reason the Jazz are going to function and really see themselves as contenders is as a result of their best two players making the system that they want to play playable. Like if Lowry Markkinen wasn't so efficient and wasn't able to take this new next step, I think the Jazz wouldn't believe that they contend and wouldn't make the moves they've made in getting a guy like John Collins. They prioritize maybe uh, Taylor Hendricks playing earlier. Maybe they just go, hey, you know, we're going to go youth move. we got a lot of picks. Maybe we don't want to uh, contend at the level because we have a top 10 protected pick. And that would go to the Thunder if, if the Jazz are better than one of the bottom dwellers. But I think the Jazz really have faith in the improvement of Walker Kessler, the ascension of Lowry Markkinen, um, and just what they're building as an overall product. And because these two guys are at the central point of that, I think that's why they hold so much value in my mind and in the Jazz's front office. So in the final segment, I want to talk to you guys about the role of what seems like almost a forgotten player if for the Jazz. And that's Jordan Clarkson. I'll explain why, if the Jazz make the playoffs, Jordan Clarkson will be an enormous reason. But first, a word from some sponsors. Welcome back into Locked On Jazz. Leaf Tulane with you here. Final segment. Thanks for making this your first listen. Every dayers, I know you guys have been itching for some more jazz context, and I think this is a little bit of a different twist. And for those of you just tuning in for the first time this week or first time in the day, thank you for listening. I always appreciate you all the same. Um, Jordan Clarkson is back. And it was not a formality that he'd sign. I actually was of the opinion he may explore other options and try to contend, even though there had been talks about how much he loved Utah. Um, and I wondered if the Jazz wouldn't give him the contract that he wanted uh, because the Jazz maybe wanted to prioritize their youth movement. Maybe they wanted to contend for that top 10 pick. But this is a bad draft, and I really like what the Jazz did. This upcoming draft is a bad draft. They look like they've done well in the draft with Keontae George looking like a success. And so with all that talk about who's playing guard, who's doing what, Jordan Clarkson's back. He's going to be a mentor to Keontae George. He's going to be a mentor to Bryce Sensabaugh. He's going to help along Colin Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker. But here's the reason why I think he's going to have a larger role than people understand right now. He's the only starter, I would say, the Jazz – and other teams would view as the true scoring creator for himself. And with the Jazz prioritizing positionless basketball, I would not be shocked at all to see him handle and create some. Like, I'm not saying I feel confident this is a take, but I almost guarantee you the Jazz will roll out in the lineup at some point. And I wouldn't be stunned if it's as a starting lineup, but I'll, I'll just say this lineup at some point of Jordan Clarkson, Ochag Baji, Lowry Markkinen, John Collins and Walker Kessler, and that's one through five in, in, in order. 
And that would put Clarkson as your traditional point guard, which, which means he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And I think that's going to be really important for how well the Jazz do is how well Jordan Clarkson can navigate and balance scoring and, and distribution because he's the Jazz with the best true score with the ball in his hands. And I know Larry Markin's the best player, and I talked about how he needs to take the lead as someone with the ball in his hands. But Clarkson's the one that has certifiable – offensive weaponry that has been proven as a self-creator, not someone who's created, who's had stuff created for him. Jordan Clarkson last year averaged 21 points a game, a little over four rebounds and four assists. That's really good. Um, a lot of that production, I will say, came with Mike Conley at the helm. Like He was creating for himself plenty like Jordan Clarkson does, but Mike Conley was the orchestrator for much of that where Jordan Clarkson played because he hurt his finger and he hardly played down the stretch. Uh, another reason for importance for Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Clarkson will now be a vet who needs to lead the youthful core. And I think that that's something I overlooked when I was thinking about, oh, does Clarkson return? And what value does he bring to the Utah Jazz? From a, like a, a skeptic perspective, I was trying to play devil's advocate with myself of like, I like Jordan Clarkson. I really do. But what does he bring to the Jazz and why, why should this be the amount he gets paid? I was trying to think about it objectively and maybe almost skeptically. And one of the things that I ended up thinking about was the Jazz need a vet. They need someone who can be mellow and calm, but also lead by example. And Clarkson's been here a long time now. He's really comfortable in his role. The, the Jazz fans embrace him. But I also think he's going to be a mentor to all those players I mentioned a moment ago and carry a lot of weight um, as a leader on the basketball court, as someone who's been in the most playoff experience uh, experiences of this team, as someone who knows how to play when teams are playing different ways. Um, and we don't talk about Clarkson as being a leader because he plays a kind of a spark pluggy offensive thing, but I think that's exactly what he is. I think he's a great locker room presence and example for players to follow. And he's not only a good basketball player, but I think he's going to have to shoulder the burden of being an emotional leader at times as well. I think Lowry Markkinen, in the same way as Jordan Clarkson, has to grow as a creator for himself and others, and there's a balance there, but I think those two are going to have that task put on their shoulders, and that's why Clarkson has such an important role. Clarkson will also have to take difficult defensive assignments, especially if the Jazz play him at the two as a starting two guard, if maybe Colin Sexton, maybe THT, maybe Chris Dunn play. Less so if it's Chris Dunn, because Chris Dunn is an ace defender, but... Uh, Clarkson will have to take more defensive assignments than, than he's done before, and I think if the Jazz truly want to contend, he'll have to do a good job on those premier wings he'll be guarding because it's too And if he's the one, he's got the height to be a valuable defender as a plus-size guard if he's playing the one in any given lineup. But And he's an underrated athlete. He's actually a really impressive athlete. He was a track star in San Antonio in high school. And I, I think... I think it's interesting if that lineup I mentioned about he, Agbaji, Markin, Kessler, and Collins plays together, I'll be very interested to see how he balances playing the point guard, how he balances defensive duties and scoring, and what that wear and tear does to someone. Because at times I think Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley was out and did a great job of distributing and scoring, but he didn't play defense well. Or sometimes he played defense well. Like if those of you remember, he guarded Jamal Murray better than anyone's guarded Jamal Murray in the playoffs in game seven. Donovan Mitchell exhausted himself. He couldn't score anymore. So can Clarkson still be the, the bucket getter that he is without sacrificing that well by being a good defender or vice versa? And can he facilitate while doing that? I think there's a lot of rigors of the point guard position, as I've discussed that Clarkson's going to have to navigate as well as being a, a, a vocal, emotional, lead-by-example leader. I think that's interesting. 
Uh, one other point, and I don't want to say it from this perspective because I think it's why he, he came here or anything like that, but in terms of just a pure value thing, Jordan Clarkson could also be seen as a tremendously valuable asset in trades, which also speaks to the value in another capacity for the Jazz. Like if Jordan Clarkson is playing really well, he really boosts the stock and becomes a more valuable commodity for teams that truly have uh, aspirations to truly, truly compen- contend and win a championship. Whereas the Jazz, like I said, want to contend for a playoff spot, a play-in spot, somewhere that they can play into a series and, and be competitive, maybe push some of these better teams in the West, maybe win a series. But they don't have, the, they don't disillusion themselves into thinking they're true contenders yet. And so I think Jordan Clarkson, if he plays well, also furthers the Jazz cause in that regard, as well as if he plays well, I think that really makes the Jazz more likely to be a viable contender to be a playoff team. Uh, one last note for you guys before we sign off. Johnny Juzang signed a new two-way contract, and he torched the Nets in the Summer League. I, I've been a little bit of critical of Johnny Juzang, of Joey Hauser as two-ways, because I think their, their skill is shooting, and there's not too much more they offer. But if you're shooting that well, then good on you. Johnny Juzang was sensational at the end of the Summer League, and he uh, had a new two-way contract, and he re-signed it, and he's back with the Utah Jazz and may, may play with the Salt Lake Stars a little bit. Um, that'll do it for me. It's been fun with you guys. Got one more episode f- planned for you guys. That'll be a fun one. Thank you to the everydayers who listen every day. I actually interact with one while picking up a, uh, an emissions thing at a car, so thank you for you guys listening. And also, uh, to those of you who need some new content, maybe new perspectives, or even just a new idea on, on what to think about when watching basketball, check out Locked on NBA Big World. Richard Stamen, Raphael Barlow, occasionally myself on there as well. We, we talk about the NBA draft, both the new players to look out for, and recapping this draft, doing some redrafts way too early, who's impressed, who are the winners and losers in the summer league, and maybe you'll just get a more holistic view of how the Jazz drafted in comparison to other teams. Well, that'll do it for me. Thank you once again for listening. And as always, you guys know what I'm going to say here. Let's go Jazz.